Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Without any further ado, I'm going to dive right in because I've got a lot of details to cover today. Today, it might, might even feel like you're in Bible school. Um, and so just kind of lean in. Today would be a great day to take some notes. There's not going to be a lot of preaching going on, more teaching today. But lean in, get your Bibles ready and get your pen out and pad of paper out and write some things down. Today, we're continuing our series on unveiling faith And this series is all about answering cultural questions that are being asked. There's a lot of people that are asking questions um, about spiritual warfare in our day and age today. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Somebody say, let's lean in. Let's pay attention and see what the Word of God has to say. C.S. Lewis says this. There are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive, unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased, meaning the devils are equally pleased by both errors. And they hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Once again, C.S. Lewis. So listen, what he's saying here is there's two extremes. There's a humanistic approach. There's a human answer for every problem. There's not a devil. There are not demons. Um, And and so, so that's an error. Somebody say that's an error. But then there is a super mystical belief that, that there's a devil and a demon about every single thing. And the devil's always messing with me and his demons are always chasing me. And, and, and somebody say, that's not healthy either. You know, we're talking about Ouija boards and we're talking about doing Bloody Marys and all these crazy things that we grew up with as, as children. And I'm just telling you that there's not a devil come on behind every corner And there's not a demon always chasing you. And so the idea is for us to get out of the extremes and into a biblical perfect balance of God's word. There's three foundational truths that I'm going to share with you today. And then there's three challenges that I'm also going to share with you today or applications that you can apply what it is that you know. Number one is this. I want you to know clearly that you have an enemy. You have an enemy. One of the devil's you know, biggest advantages is there are those people and even some religions that don't even think that he is real. They don't believe that he's real. And so, man, what an amazing and an easy fight that would be if, if you're fighting somebody and the enemy that you're fighting, they don't even believe that you're real. Right, That would be a pretty easy fight to win. And so I want you to know that you have an enemy, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. And we're going to be spending a lot of time between Ephesians 6, uh, 10 and Ephesians 6, 20. So just kind of keep your Bible marked there, but be ready to jump back and forth because we're going to be talking about a lot of different scriptures today. It says this in Ephesians 6, 10 and 11, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. 
put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And so once again, we've got an enemy, and the Bible here shows us who that enemy is. It's the devil. And the word devil actually means, it means a lot of things, but one of the names by which he's known is the accuser. The, the word devil means the accuser. How many of you know that he's a liar and the truth is not in him? The devil is the father of lies. And so he's, he's, he's known by a lot of different names. And we're going to talk about those names today. But we're also going to give you some armor that battles those names. And so I want you to realize this, that one of the primary powers that the devil has over people is fear. Fear and focus. If he can get you afraid and he can get you focused on him, then guess what you're not going to be focused on? And I'm telling you what, there is a lot of people in our world today that are focused as much on the devil as they are on Jesus. And it's just absolutely crazy to me. In high school, some of you, just because I'm much larger now, some of you would, would be surprised, but, uh, but I was a quarterback in high school. And um, I was a quarterback, and I also played defensive end. And so I was, I, was, I was privileged enough. A lot of times quarterbacks aren't able to play. They're not permitted to play both directions. A lot of times people would say, man, the quarterback is the most important position on the field. But I will tell you that that's absolutely not the truth. The most important position on the field is the one that handles the ball before I get a chance to handle the ball. And the only time that you hear about this guy, he's called the center, the only time you hear about this guy is whenever he does something wrong, when he doesn't get a snap to you properly or, or he mishandles the ball before you have the ability to mishandle the ball. But one of the things that I remember back in high school is we would have our games on Friday nights and then sometimes on Saturdays, but most of the time on Mondays, what we would do is we would watch film. We would watch film of the game that we had just played, and then we would also, we would go, the coach would have highlights set up, and then we would also watch film of the opponent, the enemy that we were going to be battling this coming Friday. And so we would learn, come on, where we came up short with the team that we just played against the enemy that we just played, and then we would prepare for the enemy that we're getting ready to go into battle on Friday. Has anybody ever played high school football and that's familiar to you? So in the same way, what I want you to realize is that you have an enemy and it's important that you study the film. You, you study how it is that he works. And let me just tell you that he's not very smart. He uses the same tactics over and over and over and over and over and over again. So if you can identify how it is that the enemy works, like you can set up come on your team or your family or your person you know what i mean to defend the attacks of the devil or the or the plays that the devil has against you amen he's not very smart he does the same things that he's always done and he just continues to do them over and over and over and over again so we're going to find out just like in high school football who our enemy is and who our enemy is not like how crazy would it be if you're playing a team this friday in football and and the team never passes the football because they don't have 
you know, either a good quarterback or they don't have proper receivers. They're a running team, but yet your defense is set up against the passing team. You would waste a lot of time and you would be unsuccessful. So listen, today what we're going to do is we're going to find out who the enemy is and who the enemy is not. Somebody say, I'm ready. Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 14 says this. You were anointed. This is talking about the devil. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, a guardian angel. For so I ordained you. God ordained the devil to be this. You were on the holy mount of God and you walked among the fiery stones. I'm telling you this, that there was intimacy in this relationship. You were blameless. You were created blameless. You were blameless in all your ways from the day that you were created until. Somebody say until. Goes on to say until wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you out or I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you. O guardian cherub from among the fiery stones. And then turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. It's kind of a continuance. It says, how you have fallen from heaven, talking about the devil, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, and this is where sin begins in the devil's heart, I will, these are a bunch of I wills, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you were brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. So I want you to write this down like the ultimate sin of Satan in his pride. He wanted to take God's place in his pride. He wanted to take God's place. Satan said, listen, I will do this and I will do that and I will do this and I will do that. And God said, no, you won't. It's not going to happen. And so he was cast down. And at the moment he was cast down, what I want you to realize is that everything that God is for, everything that God said is good, the devil and his demons are against, right? Everything that God is for, the devil is against. See, Satan exists now to destroy God's children and to defame God's glory. That's what he wants to do. He wants to destroy you and I. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants, to, he wants to take every good thing that God has for us and spoken about us, and he wants to destroy that, and he wants to steal and defame God's glory. So that's who he is, but let's take a look at who he's not, and this is much more fun to me. Before I do, I want you to realize my own personal story, and you've got a testimony as well, but I spent a large portion of my life running from God, From the time I was eight years old, I knew that there was a God and that I knew that God had a plan for my life. I answered an altar call at Bethel Temple Church in Twin Falls, Idaho, buried my face in an altar, and God, not another man, not another woman, but God impressed on my heart that, Travis, 
I'm real and I've got a plan for your life. And I wish I could tell you from that day forward, I just served the Lord with all my heart and never had a bad day since, you know, but I'm telling you that that would be the biggest lie that I've ever told in the world. And so I'm not going to do that. The truth is, is I spent the entirety of my life running from God until I was about 25, 26 years old, doing everything I could to not answer the call because I was bound in addiction. I, I, I was living a lifestyle that was very displeasing to the Lord, a lifestyle that had everything to do with me, much like the enemy was all about himself. The devil is all about himself. Travis was all about himself. And, um, and then I had a jail cell conversion. I was picked up on a DUI, and it's not the first or the second or the third time that I'd been in trouble because of drinking. It's not the first, second, or third time that I'd spent a night in jail. But this night was different, and I cried out to God, and I was self-evaluating, and I was looking at my life, and I say, God, if there's anything in this life that you can have, you can, you know, that you can use, you can have it because I'm done with it. I was just literally completely out of my mind, drunk. And in that second, like that was my conversion prayer. Pretty spectacular prayer, right? So eloquent, so eloquent. But God moved in and through that because my heart was genuine. God, you can have my life. And he came in and he changed my life. And it's led me to where I am today. But I want you to know at that moment, even though I was never always up and things weren't always rosy, from that moment, I want you to realize that my life has never been the same. My life was drastically changed from that moment, right? Like there was no way that I could ever find comfort running away from God again because I had experienced just his love and in, in greater measures. And, and so one of the things that was established in my life from the very beginning, it was this, that there is no one like God. There is no one like God. In fact, if I was going to play the opposite game with you, it would go like this. When I say something, you say the opposite. When I say something, let's go ahead and just try it. Left, up, God. See, some of you said Satan and the devil. And the truth is, there is none like God. He doesn't have even an opposite. See, we, we are in this idea that, that somehow, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, but somehow, you know, God's on one side, the devil's on the other side, and we're somewhere in between. And I'm just saying, even that thinking is foolish thinking. It's absolutely wrong thinking. Jeremiah 10 and 6, it tells us that no one is like you, God. Lord, you are great and your name is mighty in power. And so from day one since I was saved, I've seen a great deal. And listen, some of you have walked with God a lot longer than I have. And maybe you've paid attention as well, but I have seen so much mysticism about the devil I can't tell you how many houses that I've gone in and anointed with oil and cleaned out unhealthy spirits only to realize that the only reason why those spirits are there in the first place is because of the garbage that you're bringing into your home. And so 
I literally, like, I, 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 I can't even tell you the last time that I've done this because how many of you know that you have the authority over your own home? How about you go through your house and anoint your door, doors, anoint your windows with oil? But man, I get called all the time, man. Hey, will you come over and pray for my house? I'm like, listen, why is that there? Well, I don't know. What are you doing to allow that to be there? Don't you know that you're the righteousness of God? Don't you know that that is your domain? That is your sanctuary. Don't you know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Why in the world are you giving the devil so much attention? Because I'm telling you, when you focus too much on the devil, you're not focusing enough on God. And I'm telling you, there's a merry-go-round. I'm older than some of you, a lot younger than some of you. But I've been in this game long enough to realize that there's a merry-go-round amongst church people. And we're seeing the merry-go-round come back around once again. The merry-go-round is this. Oh, man, the devil's after me. The devil's after me. There's demons chasing me. I'm always fighting demons. I'm always, and just pay attention. Come on to conversation. Is the devil real? You better believe it. Is he anywhere close to God? Not even a chance, right? And so there's this circulation that comes around, and in my 26 years of walking closely with God, I've seen it several times already. The result is fear and focus. And I'm telling you this, that why is it like that? Because the devil doesn't have any new tricks. See, there's many people that are always fighting with the devil. They're always fighting with the devil. Can I tell you this? I don't always fight with the devil. It's not saying that he doesn't try to mess with me and that I don't, I don't come up short, but I want you to realize this. I am not always fighting, in, fighting with the devil. And if you are, man, maybe there's something in your theology that needs to shift and change just a little bit. Once again, many people, they've got this picture in their mind that they're in the middle and God is this big God over here, and the devil is this big devil over here, and they're in the middle, man, and they're just being yanked back. They're just being yanked back and forth as if these two are even close to equals. Like this guy created this guy. This guy could snuff this guy out in a second with a thought. There, there, there's, there's no comparison. There is none like the God that you serve. He is great and greatly to be praised. Come on, God is almighty. The devil is not almighty. The devil is not a God. Sometimes people treat the devil like he's a God. I might as well worship this piano. This piano is as much of a God as devil is. Somebody created this piano. That's an organ, I think. Keyboard, whatever. The devil is not a God. Sometimes people treat him like gods, but sometimes people treat people like gods. You understand what I'm saying? He's not a God. He is not omnipotent. He's not, he's not all powerful. He's not omniscient, which means all knowing. The devil is not omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere. God is all of those things. So number two is this, told myself I'm not gonna preach. Told myself, we're just going to teach. 
Number two is we're in a fight. You are in a fight. There is an absolute enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And so you are in a fight. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces in heavenly realms. See, this word struggle, it literally, if if you could describe it, struggle is literally like a wrestling match. Like it's intimate, like it's personal. It's a, it's a face-to-face, it's a hand-to-hand kind of a, a, a combat. And how the devil attacks you might be different than how the devil attacks me. But once again, it also shows us that our battle is not against people. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like you're having problems in your marriage, you're thinking that your wife is the issue or your husband is the issue. Your battle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against people, but it's against these principalities and powers and these, these authorities, right? How many of you had kids that played sports? Anybody? How many of you, when your kids were little, you were a little bit too aggressive in teaching your kids how to handle their opponents? Anybody? Am I the only one? Man, I'd be talking to my kids. I'd be like, listen, it's you or them. One of you guys aren't coming off that field. <laughs> Turners don't lose. You know what I'm saying? Kill, kill, kill. No, 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 no. <laughs> They're in flag football. Yeah. <laughs> Little too aggressive. I was. I absolutely was. But, man, there are some parents that, that made me look like a little child. But I'm telling you this, that we've got to approach the enemy in an aggressive way. Spiritual warfare, and this is by Billy Graham. Pay attention, lean in, the the Graham is speaking. Spiritual warfare is not an option. It is a necessity. If you're a child of God, you're in a battle for your faith. Number three is this, we fight from victory. See, a lot of people get this one wrong is because we think we're fighting for victory. I want you to know that you have victory in Christ already and you fight from a high ground. Come on, if you, if you know anything about, about, about true warfare, like the idea is to always, if you can get the higher ground, that's what you want. And that's where you are. You fight from a space and a place of victory. Anybody ever play King of the Hill growing up? Anybody King of the Hill? It's like all you have to do with King of the Hill is just stand your ground. And I'm telling you, man, the devil is going to throw everything about you. He's going to lie against you. He's going to speak against you. He's going to try to manipulate you. But if you just stand your ground in Christ Jesus, come on, that's spiritual warfare. Because you already have the victory. The only way that you're going to lose it is if, he, if you come into a, a binding agreement with the devil and just give up the victory through a lie or some sort of manipulation. How do we fight from victory? It's the work of the cross. Jesus did it for us. Through the cross, come on, he won victory for us. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13, when you were dead in your sins, how many of you know that that's before you knew Jesus as your Lord and Savior? When you were dead in your sins, And in the uncircumcision of your flesh, 
God made you alive in Christ. He forgave you of your sins, having concealed the charge of our legal indebtedness, like he paid the price for what it is that you owe, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, what powers and authorities? The same ones that we just read about. He's disarmed the powers and the authorities that the devil has. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against powers and authorities, right? And the Bible here says that he has disarmed those powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing, triumphing over them through the work of the cross. And so the devil said, listen, you're Jesus. You're the son of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humiliate you. I'm going to nail you to the cross. And in the, in the same thing that he thought he was going to do to bring humiliation to God and, 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 and through the son, come on, the devil was humiliated and he was whooped. He was whooped. He was whooped. Somebody say he has no power. Somebody say he's been disarmed. Man, oh man, get that in your spirit. The enemy thought that he would publicly humiliate Jesus and Jesus turned it on him. Ephesians 6, 13 says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when's the day of evil? Today, yesterday, promise you it's going to be tomorrow until Jesus comes back, right? So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything that you can do, just stand. And I want you to know in Ephesians 6, the word stand is spoken of four different times. Stand, 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 stand. Once again, it's like, like in, in a wrestling match, right? We were talking about wrestling. There's a circle, and the idea is to get your opponent outside of the circle. But as you stand in your circle in Christ Jesus, you will have the victory, period. You'll have the victory. He has already been defeated in Christ. How does he defeat you? You come out of Christ. You come out of that circle. It, it was told to me that, that, man, in the Lord, this is when I was a kid, right? Th these things have a, an ability to stick. Just imagine you're in a rainstorm, a hailstorm, but you got this amazing umbrella. Like you can be in the worst storm coming down, not talking about wind because that messes up your umbrella, but just go with me here, right? You can be in the worst storm coming down and you're just like, you know what I mean, drinking your coffee and enjoying the day. But you step out from underneath that covering, then you're in the devil's playground. And so the idea here is, is to, in Christ, man, not only are you a new creation, but you fight from a place of victory. So I want to share with you three essential practices or truths. Number one, find your spiritual strength. Every single day that you get up, find your spiritual strength. How do you do it? You search for it in God's word. You discover it in and through prayer. You experience it in and through worship. That's why I'm going to keep, keep talking about this. Guys, worship is more than just singing some songs. Like worship is just lifting our hands and it's just connecting with this amazing God. Come on, that has been so good to us. He, he deserves our highest worship, our highest praise. 
It's the best thing that you can do on a Sunday morning is get off of your, and I'm not talking about if you have a hard time standing up, but if you could stand up for 15 minutes, like if, you, if, if you're going to go to Black Friday and you're going to stand in a line for a half hour and you ain't got no problem standing in a line for a half hour, then you could probably stand for 15 minutes and give God a little bit better praise than, than just kind of, you know, just kind of, anyway. It's amazing, people that can't stand up. I see, them, I see them on Black Friday, you know, just long lines and, yeah. Ephesians 6.10, finally, it says, be strong in the Lord and in his might. See, we're strong in his strength, not our own strength, right? See, some of us, our approach to the devil is, man, I just need to get stronger. I just need to get stronger. I just need to get stronger. Come on, our strength is found in him, not in us. And it says, be strong. It doesn't say, get strong. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in his promises. Be strong in his presence. Come on, be strong in the spirit of God. See, this is what some of you need to start praying for. Some people need to start praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people need to begin to ask God to fill you, come on, with the Holy Spirit. Everybody here, no doubt about it, you have the Spirit of God. There's no question about it. You can't even come to Jesus unless the Spirit of God brings you to that place, right? That's the work of the Spirit. But I'm telling you, just like baptism means to be fully submerged, like you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I'm so grateful for this beautiful blessing in my own life, man, because there are some times where, where I just need to spend some time with the Lord. Amen? And, and there's an edification. There's a, a strengthening. There's a building up that takes place just with he and I. Right? So it goes on to say in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, have nothing to do with irrelevant silly myths. So good, I'm going to say it again. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of a value in every way. As it holds promise to the present life and also for the life to come. See, it doesn't say that we're, that we're called to try. It says that we're called to train. How many of you remember teaching your kids how to ride a bicycle for the first time, right? Remember this? I'm going to let go. No, Daddy, don't let go. I'm going to let go. You're doing great by yourself. I'm not even touching it. And then all of a sudden, you let your hands off. They yard sale everything. You pick it back up. You dust off their knees. Come on, let's do it again. You did it for like three whole seconds by yourself. So you do it. Come on, what are you doing, man? You're training them. You're training them to ride a bike. Could you imagine being 12 years old and not knowing how to ride a bicycle? All your friends are having a great time, you know what I'm saying, out there on their bicycles, and, and you're just sitting there watching because you were never trained to ride a bicycle. See, we're not called to try. We're called to train. Train means to engage in the process of growth. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but try means this, just to simply make an attempt and there's a pass fail, pass fail. When you train, you continue until you get it. Number two is this, gear up. 
The second thing that you got to do is gear up. You got to put on the full armor of God as we've just seen in Ephesians. Ephesians 6 chapter 14 and 17 says this, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you will extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the apostle Paul is speaking about something that all of these listeners would know about because they could look to a Roman soldier and they could see all of this body armor in place. And so he's using the body armor to illustrate, come on, how we need to gear up as we're fighting our enemy, right? And I want you to know this, that every piece that the Apostle Paul talked about in this verse here, it directly battles and wins the enemy's schemes and his names. See, he's called by names, but every piece of armor, it destroys that name. Let's go ahead and take a look. The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Put on the, bolt, the belt of truth around, your, around your, your waist. See, the belt of truth versus the devil being a liar. He's called a liar, right? And so Philippians 4, 8 says this, for whatever is true, then that's what you should think upon. See, don't give ear to the lies of the devil, but focus on what is true. Now, this is a challenge to you, you're not going to be able to focus very well on what is true if you don't know what is true. And that's why coming to church on a regular basis is important. That is why getting into your Bible every single day is important. That is why getting in a small group and doing a Bible study on a regular basis is important because you're getting the truth of God so that you can focus on the truth of God, you will know whatever is true, and then you can think on those things. The next piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. And the breastplate of righteousness is versus the accuser. The devil is called the accuser. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.21 says this, that I am the righteousness of God. Everybody say that right now. I am the righteousness of God. Say it again so you mean it. I am the righteousness of God. Say it again. I am the righteousness of God. I'm going to keep going until I see every mouth moving. I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. You've got to get this in your spirit. And you're the righteousness of God, not because of what you've done, but it's because of who he is and what he has done for you. Right? Amen. I am the righteousness of God. See, the devil is continuously accusing you. The devil is standing. You know, he's saying, look what he did wrong. Look what she did wrong. He's always condemning you. The devil is trying to disqualify you, but every single time, because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, Jesus is saying, nope, that's not right. Nope, that's not right. Nope, that's not right. Do you know this, that the sin that you ask God to forgive you of will never be brought up against you again, meaning he forgets about it. So the accuser 
Like, like the accuser saying all of these things about you and God knows everything, but he chooses to forget your sins and your shortcomings. He's like, nope, that's not, that's my righteousness. No, no, she's my righteousness. Not because of you, but because of Christ in you. The shoes of peace versus temptation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken me except what's common to man. Once again, the devil uses the same tricks over and over and over and over again. Come on, but the shoes of peace, do you realize that Roman soldiers' shoes, they literally had spikes that would dig down deep into the ground. Why? So that you could stand your ground whenever the enemy is coming against you. So that you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be pushed back or you wouldn't be pushed over. Then there's the shield of faith. The shield of faith is versus our adversary. Come on, adversary is a fancy name for opponent or enemy. How many of you know this, that the Bible says that, that, that weapons, no weapon formed against me will prosper? That doesn't mean that weapons aren't going to be formed against you. It just says that they're not going to prosper. When I went to Africa and I contracted malaria, like I fully 100% believe that I know where I was bitten. I'm not 100% certain, but I believe it was whenever we were in prayer against, come on, witchcraft that was just happening right next door. Were we worried about that? You, no. Were we, was I weirded out about it? No. Was I afraid in any way, shape, or form? No. Why? Because the devil is a defeated foe. And so we're just praying but there was a weapon that was formed against me. It did not prosper. In fact, the same thing that happened with Jesus on the cross is the same thing that happened with me. Don't take this out of context. I'm telling you, the devil meant to destroy me and kill me, and it just made me mad. And so, so, Maybe he was thinking that it was going to quiet me down or, or I was going to be fearful. Like I'm telling you, even facing death, there wasn't an ounce of fear in my whole being. I wasn't afraid at all. And I came this far from crossing over. Like I know, I personally know what the Apostle Paul was saying because I experienced the same thing. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Zero fear whatsoever. This was my conversation to God, knowing that I might not make it through the night. God, I'm good either way. Whatever you do, I'm just asking one thing, just do it quickly. That was my prayer, just do it quickly. If I'm gonna go, let's go. If I'm gonna stay, then let's stay. The very next day, they said, oh, he's, he's getting his kidney function back. The next day, oh, his liver, you know, some things are... Things started to turn, and I knew at that point that everything was going to be okay. But guess what? Even if it wasn't okay, it was going to be okay. You, you don't realize how powerful it is whenever you come to a place and death, oh, death, where is your sting? When you realize that you're not even afraid of dying, come on, that does, I'm relentless, man. It does something when you face that and you're like, that's all you really got? 
What I love, too, about this, it talks about the shield of faith. See, the shield of faith, man, it doesn't just deflect the arrows. It says it distinguish, it, 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 it puts them out. It's a, it distinguishes them. Extinguishes. Distinguished. Work with me. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> They're distinguished arrows. Very distinguished. <laughs> it extinguishes them. I was, when I said it, I was like, that's not right. Um, but you know what? I'm in it. I'm going anyway. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just got to just go anyway. The helmet of salvation versus the destroyer. This is one of the most important ones. The enemy is trying to destroy our mind. Once again, he's a liar. One of his greatest tools, it's not his only tool, but one of his most used tools is to lie to you. It's the art of deception. He gets you thinking that something is what it's not, and you fully buy into it, and now your focus and your fear is on him, and you're not living for Jesus anymore. It's crazy to me, and it can happen like that. And hopefully you got a friend that'll say, snap out of that, man. What are you doing? Like, that's not the devil, come on, is not a God. And you serve a mighty God. Isaiah 26.3 says this, that my mind is at perfect peace. How? Because my mind is stayed upon you. I want you to also realize this is why getting your kids here on Wednesday nights in youth service and the Arowana program and Sunday mornings is important because I'm telling you, the devil's after their minds as well. The devil is after their minds as well, and we got to do a better job of just making sure that their minds are being filled with all of the right things as a collective effort and community of believers. we got to help one another out in this area. The sword of the Spirit is an offensive and a defensive weapon, but the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's the truth of God, and it's against, it's versus the deceiver. See, deceit, once again, is the primary attack. The sword is offensive and defensive. Jesus was tempted in the desert after he had fasted and prayed or while he was fasting and praying. And um, what did he use? He always used the word of God. The devil would bring something against him. All he did, he didn't shout, didn't blow in the guy's face, didn't push him over. All he did was speak the word of God. And the next thing you know, by Jesus speaking the word of God, reminding the devil who he was, not only was he defending but he was using the sword of the spirit, which has also come on an offensive weapon. He was taking ground. And that, my friend, is exactly what you and I are called to do. And so if you're always in defense, you know, every bit of the armor that we've talked about, except the sword of the spirit, is a defensive weapon. The sword of the spirit, the word of God is offensive because we are supposed to take ground in this world that we live in. I'm gonna skip that, don't need that. Number three, and our last one is this boldly advance the gospel. Ephesians 6 18 says this, and pray in the spirit. This is why you need your prayer language. This is why you need your 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 the spirit of God to indwell and fill you. Pray that God gives you. Uh, spiritual language, pray in the spirit on all occasions. It also says in another verse, pray with understanding. Both are powerful. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me, the apostle Paul said, that whenever I speak, words may be given 
me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I also declare it fearlessly as I should. Once again, the armor defends. Come on, but the gospel, the word of God, it takes ground. I can't imagine going into any kind of a battle and not having the proper gear, right? And so this is something that we should, you know, we should take Ephesians 6 and write it out. Come on, have it present all throughout our house just as a reminder. Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God. Why? Because you are called to storm the enemy's gates. The Bible says that no weapon against you shall prosper. In James chapter 4 and verse 7, it brings everything together. Like, listen, write this verse down. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil. And what will he do? He'll flee. If you resist the devil, he will flee. He has to leave. If you're in Christ... He has no power and authority over you. Amen? Amen? So listen, I just want to pray for you. Is anybody discouraged today? Anybody just, you know what I mean? You've been through some stuff and you're just a little bit discouraged. I just want to pray for you. But even more than that, man, what I want to challenge you to do is get into the Word of God and find out what the Bible says about discouragement. Begin to speak these things over your life, right? Is anybody here having just family issues, just trouble in your family, right? I'm going to pray for you that are having family issues, but this is what I want to challenge you to do is get into your word and find out, come on, God's view of the family. What does he think about it? Anybody having just health issues? You're, you got sickness in your body or you just got limitations over here. Anybody else right here? You just got stuff going on right here. Listen, I'm going to pray for you, and God's going to do something. There's no question about it. But I also just want you to know that you got to get into your word and see what the Bible says, come on, about our physical being and our bodies. Anybody here, you're wondering if you're saved. Like, you're like, I don't even know if Jesus came back or if I was to die. I don't even know if I'm in proper relationship with God. Is there anybody here that I can pray for today that you want to know and you want to receive Way Jesus Christ? All right. Where at? Up here, I see you. Thank right. you, ma'am. So good. Is there anybody else? You just want to make sure that you know Jesus Christ right, right as your here. Lord and Savior. Where at? Oh, yep. right, here. right here. I see awesome. you, sir. Awesome. So good. So listen, especially for you guys that have just raised your hand, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? That he is Lord, meaning that he is, he is the ultimate. He's my authority. We don't live for ourselves as Christians. We live for him, right? And so when we say, God, I believe that you died on a cross for me, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins, come into my life. He is faithful and just to do that. So we're going to pray also for you. But this is what I want you to know. And up in the corner also, I want you to just begin to search out scriptures of what the Bible says about salvation. About why Jesus came. And you can, this is how easy this is, guys, in the world that we live in. You used to have to have 
like all this, all these books and, you know, a whole library of stuff to concordances and everything else. But you know, with this, you can go, you got to be careful, but you can go to Google and, and, and if you got a question as if a site is proper or not, but just Google some of those things and then open your own Bible to it and then make sure, come on, that what it's talking about is exactly what's in your word. But we got to study, right, to show ourselves a, approved, right? Able to divide truth, right? So this is what I want to do is I want to pray for you and I'm going to end the prayer praying for those that are receiving Jesus Christ. You guys listen. It's one thing to have somebody pray for you, but when I'm praying, I want you to make that personal yourself. I want you to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, and to be your Lord and your Savior. Will you do that? Awesome. So Lord, right now, we just thank you so much, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that there is a truth. There is balance in the word of God. We are able to know who you are in and through the word, and we're able to know who the enemy is and who he's not in and through the word. And I pray, Lord, that we would, um, that we would just live our lives according to what it is that the word of God is saying and not somebody's spin. Once again, God, I just feel like there's a merry-go-round that happens Anytime we talk about the devil, sometimes you'll go a long time without hearing anything about the devil or demons. And then all of a sudden, it's, the, it's, it's just highlighted everywhere. And Lord, you've called us to stand on the foundation of the word of God. And that's what we're trying to do. We're sharing the word today. I believe in, in a right way, a proper way. And I pray, Lord, that we would not be fearful because when we're in Christ, he's got no chance. He's got no chance. Lord, let us realize that the devil's not God. He's not a God. He's no God. He's, no, he's, 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 he's nothing compared to you. So let's stop treating him like he is one. Let's stop treating him like he's got all of this incredible authority. Let's not be foolish of the ways that he works. He's a liar, he's a schemer, he's a manipulator, and he's a destroyer, he's an accuser. He's all of these things, but he is not God. He's not omnipresent, he's not omniscient. You are, and I'm asking you, Lord, that we would just live in the power of God and not the fear of the devil. And I pray, Lord, for families that need healing. And I pray for bodies that need healing. And I pray for finances, come on, that, that, that need a, a move. And maybe in the area of finance, it's not that there's not enough. It's just that we don't have the wisdom that's necessary to properly handle our finances. And so sometimes, Lord, we ask you to rescue us out of something that you're trying to teach us 
in and through our shortcomings. And I'm just asking that you be glorified in our finances. Maybe what needs to happen is a budget 101 class. Maybe something that needs to happen is a trusting God with the finance class. That's not always the case. Sometimes we do need a miracle. And Lord, in all situations, you know what's at hand. And I'm just asking that you move in the area of finance. I pray for healing in the body also. All other needs that are represented here today, broken hearts, grieving, all of those things, Lord, the answer is found in right relationship with you. Doesn't mean we're always going to be up. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But it does mean, Lord, that you're always going to be present and with us. Let the power and the strength of God come on, just help people where they are today and throughout this week. And Lord, to conclude, I just am so grateful for those that have responded this morning by saying, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so collectively, the whole house, we say this, God, please forgive me of my sins. Please come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Right now on this Sunday, I declare that my life is not my own, but it belongs to you. I willfully give my life to you because you have purchased it with a price that I could not pay. Thank you for the work of the cross. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you for the Holy Ghost that empowers and equips us and anoints us, come on, to be used by you in this world. Thank you for the light of life that changes hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you will utilize you will utilize me to change my family, change my community. And Lord, my life, once again, it belongs to you. I'm at your service. I pray these things today in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, amen and amen. God bless you. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.